Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Kayala Kanai, the founder and CEO of Full Stack Marketer. We're going to hear his absolutely incredible story today, how he went from working at a coffee shop for minimum wage to growing a company that's done over $20 million in sales and counting. Teala, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you, man. Thanks. It's, It's an honor and privilege to be here. So thanks for taking the time to have me on. Of course. All right. Anytime we go from minimum wage to $20 million, I say, that's somebody I got to talk to. All right. So <laughs> what prompted you while working at a coffee shop to minimum wage to decide, hey, man, I'm going to chuck this latte thing and, and figure out how to make some real bank? That's a great question. You know, I think a lot of people um, have kind of their la- line in the sand moment. You know, when you talk to a lot of very successful entrepreneurs, they have this moment where they're just like, you know what, F this, no matter what, I'm, I got I to gotta make a change. And for me, it was in uh, 2012, um, I actually uh, walked into my mom's bedroom. She was folding some clothes. She had just taken out of the out of the laundry. So I was living in my mom's spare bedroom at 29. Okay, so the proverbial start work, starving, working at Starbucks, living <laughs> in the mom basement. Yep, yeah. I love it. And so, uh, so I walked into her bedroom. She was, she turned around. She's like, what's going on? I said, Hey mom, you know, you had that cardboard box full of old purses that you were going to take down to Goodwill. Can I, can I have one of those purses? And she was like, well, what the heck do you need it for? And I was like, well, uh, tomorrow is uh, Tiani's birthday. Tiani's my girlfriend. Okay. I was like, so tomorrow's Tiani's birthday and I have no money to get her anything. So I actually gave my girlfriend your mother's old purse. Well, it was my mom's friend's old purse, but yeah, it was like somebody else's. That is using other people's resources, OPR from the very beginning. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. But that was this moment in my life where I looked at him like, what the hell is going on? I don't even have anything. I I literally didn't have any money in the bank account to buy my girlfriend a gift. Um, And that's when I just got really serious. I had wanted to be an entrepreneur for years, but I think, you know, truthfully, I had never really given it my full 100% effort. And at that point, that night in that hallway, um, digging through a cardboard box, go shopping for my girlfriend's birthday. Wow, that is awesome. I mean, it sucks then, but awesome now. It is awesome now. Uh, It's a great story in retrospect. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you said, never again, I got to do something different. How'd you land on digital marketing? Um, That's also a great question. So I had been been kind of fascinated by digital marketing since uh, 2010. Um, At the time, I was trying to promote a uh, 
uh, real estate investment education. It was like a straight, you know, direct sales thing. And I got tired of, I'd been in life insurance in the past. I'd been in mortgages. I'd been in real estate. I'd been in all these different things, uh, network marketing, tried some of that. And the whole thing about make a list of your friends and family members. And, and so badger them until they buy to get you to go away out of pity. Yes. Right. And, and they've seen you fail so many times. They never, they don't want to hear it anymore. You know what I mean? What's the latest pitch, Kayala, right? You're going to be back with another opportunity in three months. Exactly. What hotel meeting are you going to tonight? Exactly that. So 2010, I went online and I Googled um, how to generate leads online. And that took me down this rabbit hole of learning digital marketing. And for the yeah. first time I saw something with real leverage, right? That place an ad online and you can generate a hundred leads in a day, that sort of thing. Um, it's just that easy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> isn't it? So that's where, so two, 2000, 2010, I started learning about that. 2012, I had this experience where I couldn't afford to get my girlfriend a birthday gift. And I was like, look, um, I've got to do something different. And the thing that fascinates me most is this digital marketing thing. So I'm going all in on digital marketing, basically. Awesome. So what was your, we all remember, because you never forget the rush. What was your first sale? Oh, okay. So I was actually walking down um, the street and San- I had gone to an event in San Diego, um, an industry event in San Diego. TNC? I, no, it wasn't TNC. It was just, it was a smaller little event um, in one of the side rooms at the convention center. But it, uh, I remember when I was getting ready to go to that event, I was following this guy online uh, and he had been talking about it. And the day that I made a decision to go, uh, I only had 37 bucks in my bank account. So I had to, I, I scrambled to get all to, to put in extra hours at the job, got an extra paycheck, went, when I bought the ticket, the flight, cause I'm flying from Hawaii. So all flights are a few hundred bucks, right? A few hundred. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, as soon as I bought the flight, I didn't have any place to stay and I was willing to sleep outside the convention center if I had to. Luckily, um, my girl reminded me that I had, we had friends out there. So I, I couch surfed and while I was leaving that event on the second night, um, I was walking, uh, back to, uh, their place and I got, a, uh, I checked my email and I just earned my very first commission. I had sold, um, uh, like a hundred dollar product or something. and I got a $25 commission. So that is awesome. See, we all remember because you yeah. never forget the first one. All right. So you got your first sale and got hooked. Um, yeah. I'm sure the long version could fill a book and should, if it hasn't already, tell me a little bit about the evolution from $25 to 20 million. Cause that's a big jump. Yeah. So initially I started out doing a lot of affiliate marketing, um, building lists in different niches and just, you know, promoting a lot of different offers. The very first offer I had some decent success with was a network marketing offer. But the thing that came up a lot is that people would always be asking me to show them what I was doing. Right. And so I would do little one-off trainings here and there. What ended up happening is in 2015, a buddy of mine and I were hanging out uh, at his place in Canada we were building out new funnels for this new offer that we were going to promote. And we just started joking around about like the whole digital marketing space and how confusing it was. And the question came up, if your mom wanted to become a digital marketer, what would you tell her to do? And we both joked around that we would tell our moms to keep their day job. <laughs> and, um, and then we, so we got to talking about it and I asked, well, what if we just built that, you know, set of courses that we wish that we would have had where everything was in one place? What if we built it? So we started building that out in 2015. By 2016, we were kind of turning the spigot on and off, letting in a few customers at a time, 
working on trying to scale it out, hiring our first employees. By the end of 2016, we decided to go kind of pretty much full bore on that. And 2017, we had our first $20 million year. So we grew by about 2000% or something like that uh, in 2017, which hurts. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to anybody. Uh, there's pluses and minuses. There's some growing pains with that kind of volume. Yep. Yep. So I went from... So what did you do the year before you did 20 million? We did about 900,000. That, um, so that's a 20X plus jump. Yep. How do you handle that? Let's talk about the growing pains because our, our listeners are scaling their businesses. How do you, because the systems you built to serve 900,000 of sales won't serve 20 million. No. How did you, you needed infrastructure, you needed staff, you needed systems. Like talk about that evolution because that's some serious chaos. It is some serious chaos. I would agree. Um, what ended up happening is we had we had a few affiliates that came on board and a couple of our affiliates were just phenomenal at driving traffic and they started we had more sales coming through the door than we could handle so right away the pressure was on to hire a sales team um, so I I uh, we I got together with one of the managers I had on the team at the time we put some ads out here in Vegas we got a we got a little rinky dink Regis office space out here for turnkey something that was turnkey, hired a bunch of salespeople out of Vegas who were typically used to doing a lot of high volume. You know, they load up their computer with 300 people to call that day yep. kind of thing. Um, I started coaching them on my sales process, my phone sales process, trained them for maybe four days. It was a four day training, put them on the phones. And by the time we put them on the phones, our backlog, because we only had two salespeople at that time, our backlog, we were backed up three weeks. So we had every day, a full schedule of calls. And it was three weeks deep. And then we put this new team in and they, they picked it up and they started backfilling. So they started calling all the people that were on hold mm -hmm. and working it out. And so that was January, 2017 that I hired those folks by February, 2017, we did about half a million that month, March, 2017, I think was our first million dollar month. And basically it was a kind of a free for all. So we hired the sales people and then I was kind of managing them, but I was also managing the marketing. So then we went and found a, a, a guy who had built, who had worked with sales, a little bit larger sales teams before, brought him, brought him out to Vegas. He took over the sales team. Uh, and then I got, and then I needed to go and find somebody to run marketing so I could better manage as the CEO really. Uh, so brought on a uh, director of marketing at one point. He took over the marketing department, started to grow that out a bit. Our approach initially, because we bootstrapped it, was a bottom-up approach, right? We hired the employees first. When there was too many of them to manage, then we hired managers. And then eventually I had too many managers and I hired directors to hire the, to, to manage the managers. Um, and that's how we, we scaled in 2017. Lots of things broke, lots of systems broke, people broke. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I, I've, we could swap war stories another time because um, we've had that experience, the growing pains as well. So when you talk about the things breaking, how did you deal with the stress? Man, that's a good question. You know, forget about our audience. I'm asking for my personal edification because I didn't always probably make the right choice in terms of how we ha I handled that. I'm, I'm a pretty open book, so I'm pretty transparent. I actually got to a point by mid-2017 where I was pretty much at burnout. Um, and I had never, I had heard people talk about that before never really understood what it was. But I got to the point where I was under so much anxiety at, at 
one point that I literally couldn't get out of bed. I would wake up and I would already have anxiety and my day hadn't started yet. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to be okay mentally. The best thing that we did to manage systems was start to hire people who already had systems in place that that they had utilized with other businesses and they brought their systems over with us. So one of the better hires we made was a good um, uh, director of operations who had run his own marketing agency before. So he brought over systems and processes. He also brought over some talented people to take over our customer support, customer uh, success departments. And really, um, that's those are the things that it was putting the right people in with the, it, that had systems already. And then they, they trained the existing staff to utilize their systems. It was pretty much the best move. That's an awesome idea. I did not think of that. So that will be very, that will be helpful in the future. So 20 million plus is that talk about fulfillment. Is that all digital courses online and you've got some giant membership site? Is that physical products? Tell me a little bit about the breakdown. Yeah. So it's primarily digital products. So people are buying from us uh, an array of digital products. They can buy the entire offer stack. Um, the curriculum oh, builds mother on of it. all enchilada offers. Yep. So they, they can buy the entire stack and then the curriculum will build on top of it, builds on top of each other. Uh, and then on the higher end, we had, um, we have uh, mentoring and coaching. So they can sign up and have a year's worth of small group coaching. Uh, and then that might, at the time in 2017, I was one of the main trainers. Now I have a, an array of trainers and every week they get on and people can submit uh, the offers that they're promoting, the funnels that they're using, they can submit all of their ad data and my trainers will go in and help them interpret, take that data and interpret it and turn it into actions. Uh, and they have that access to that for once a week for a year. Um, so it's a little bit of, and then we do live events as well. So they can also sign up for some of our live like in-person clinics so they can get a little bit more of the hands-on training. Um, so it's just, it's a little bit of an array. We've got some I prefer to sell mostly the digital stuff because I was going to say, because your customer service issues are, I I can't remember my password as opposed to, Hey, I need physical help for half an hour. Yeah. So it gets, it gets to be heavy laborsome. Um, and when we get into the coaching side of it, uh, but over the years we've really started to dial that in and, uh, our, our customers have are loving it right now. So it, it was stressful at first. But again, it's it's a whole gambit, right, of stuff that we offer. I bet. Um, you talked about the digital products and the coaching and mentoring and, and events and masterminds. Do you guys do any done for you? We don't do any done for you right now. We do have a few people that we refer out to um, if they want something built for them or ad campaigns uh, or ads written for them and emails written for them, things like that. We refer out that. We don't do it in-house at all. Okay. And then when you have this hodgepodge of systems you've built and systems other people have brought with, what type of soft, because we, I ended up, I tried managing on post-it notes, Google Doc, Excel sheets, like basic everything. And we literally ended up having software built for us to manage all of our processes that was custom. What type of software do you guys use to run the business? Great question. So we use Slack for day-to-day communication primarily. Um, and we have pretty strict rules around Slack is one-off communication. We don't communicate on Slack if it's in direct relation to an ongoing project. Um, because for project management, we use Asana. 
and we want uh, all of the communication around a project inside of Asana so that there's a record mm-hmm. uh, and there's, you know, communication around that project is consolidated so that we can see exactly what's happened. That way, when there's a mishap and we're going to do a postmortem and figure out what happened, all of the communication is in one place, if that makes sense. So Asana is our project management tool. Uh, we use Google Drive pretty heavily uh, as a repository of uh, a lot of our materials. So any sorts of resources that are graphics, logos, um, even some of our, uh, a good portion of our videos will have spreadsheets in, a, in a Google Docs that will link out to our videos that are hosted on like a software like Box. Um, and so that's where pretty much all of, and all of our SOPs, uh, documents for the company all go into Google Drive. So Google Drive is broken down. You get into the drive and it's broken down by department. And then from department, it'll go into the sub-departments within, within that department. So if you log into my Google Drive, it's marketing, sales, operations. And then from there, it goes into their subdivisions. And then from there, it goes into the roles. And inside of the roles, you'll have SOPs and all the documentation around those roles. Awesome. So with the growth you experienced, how do you hire and train fast enough to keep up? (laughs) Well, at first, uh, just, you know, rectal extraction, basically just pull one. (laughs) a technical marketing term, sharkpreneur followers, for those of you watching and listening. Yeah. You're just pulling it out of your, your, you know what? So, um, but now though, we do a lot of First, one of the things that we do now is proactively looking at projections and then uh, identifying the roles that we need to hire before we need them. And then, you know, and then feeling out the marketplace and feeling out uh, who's available out there. Um, I like to do it that way because it's kind of like if you're already hungry, you're going to make a bad decision about what to eat. Right. So if you if you're on a if you want to be on a healthy diet, you pre-plan out your meals and you're more much more likely to stick to the diet. But if you wait till you're starving, you're probably going to pick up a cheeseburger. Well, if we wait till we need a role, we probably are going to hire somebody who's not the perfect fit because we're under the pressure of needing the role. So now it's much more proactively looking into the future and figuring out who we want. And that gives us the time to instead of putting out ads or instead of hiring a recruiter or instead of like putting something on Glassdoor, we actually will go to, to other companies and go look at who's already working in those roles in similar companies and seeing if we can headhunt some of that in advance, right? Um, the other thing that we do uh, like at fast scale is uh, also do um, hire in groups. So we want, because that way we can do group training, group onboarding, and we're not like, you know, no one manager or one director is doing one-to-ones. So we're moving everybody into the, into the roles and in groups, which consolidates our time a bit as well. Awesome. In terms of, you talked about predicting the future and projecting forward, and obviously your sales have gone up since then, but what percentage of 2019 would you say was, let's say, affiliate driven versus you guys buying your own cold traffic and driving it through a funnel? Uh, that's a, that's also an interesting question. So historically we do about 20, 20 to 25% of our revenue is affiliate driven and anywhere from 75 to 80% is in-house. Uh, this year is a little bit different because we slowed down to do a rebrand. Um, so I slowed down my internal marketing 
and the affiliates just kept at full bore. So they ended up doing about 40% of our revenue so far this year. We did it in-house about 60% of that. And so, when you say in-house, is that in-house to your internal lists or in-house you guys running your own traffic? Yeah, in-house meaning we're running our own traffic. So basically, um, you know, I have a, a, a two media buyers. I have a Facebook media buyer here full-time with us. I have one guy that manages my YouTube, um, which is what most people know me from is, is YouTube. Um, and then we have uh, an agency that is start gearing us up right now on natives and Google uh, and AdWords. Um, but anything that we're, when we're buying the ads ourselves, that's what I'm considering in-house. Got it. So if you are buying traffic on Facebook, you've experienced Armageddon in the last year or so. Yes. Um, okay. So how, and especially if you're in the biz op space, it's worse. Yes. Um, in terms of your restrictions and what you are allowed to say and more of what you're not allowed to say, how have you guys dealt with that? Uh, so one of the things, so my, my media buyer that handles all my Facebook, he was actually like employee number two in the company. So at one point- Employee number two of your company, not for Zuckerberg. Yes. Just to clarify. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. And so he used to sit right next to me back when it was just a small little operation and I taught him media buying. And now he's a lot better at it than I am. But one of them is really, really, really getting to know the terms and conditions um, and really reading them through and then thinking about it in terms of if I were Facebook, right, would I want this on my platform? So um, if I think about like, so part to a degree, Facebook is a customer of mine. Like they want me to produce content on their platform that is going to be beneficial to the end objective that they have for their users. At the end of the day, they're going to protect their users. That just makes sense from a business standpoint. So my, my Facebook guy knows that those terms and conditions better than anybody I know. Um, and so anytime over this last year, anytime that we've had an ad disapproved, um, he has immediately been able to go in, you know, uh, appeal that, write out exactly what his response, exactly uh, his response based on their terms and conditions, and we've had every single ad approved, uh, probably within about twenty-four to forty-eight hours. So he's been extremely effective at that. Um, but most people don't take the time, right? Even though they know that it's Facebook again, they don't take the time to really understand the the TNC, the, the TNC and really interpret it through the lens of Facebook. And I get that it's confusing. Facebook, you know, one, one, uh, one person reviewing ads declines yeah. it, and the exact same ad gets approved by somebody else. So it's kind of a run of the mill of kind of luck of the draw of who you're going to get to review it. At the same time, if you can speak competently to their TNC in your appeal, and you can help them understand why, you know, we are well within guidelines, they've, seem to be very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, um, amenable. Yeah, totally. So well, that is, that is awesome that you, I, I haven't, hadn't thought about it that way. That put yourself in their shoes, um, is a great insight. It makes sense 80% of the time, except when they say you can't say the word you because you're calling out a person. Um, other than that, I guess putting myself in their shoes would make logical sense. That's another one too. That's actually confusing. So, um, what they're, what they're specifically saying is if you are, if you are singling out that individual, so you can say like you and I might be having a conversation and I'd say, you know, 
you know, sometimes when uh, you wake up in the morning and you just don't feel like going to work, and we, we're speaking like about a generalized you, right? The general public, but we're using the word you, they're okay with that. They don't like it when you're singling out the individual uh, and say like, you know, um, did you wake up this morning? With know, anxiety, feeling, yeah. Feeling, yeah, with anxiety. They don't like that because you're singling which, out the individual. Right, which is the whole point of, you know, direct response marketing is writing to one person and getting them to raise their hand and say, yes. oh my God, that's me. I woke up this morning feeling like that. So we've gotten pretty creative about how we get around that. Like we'll say things like... Um, we talk in third person here. We're like, yes. if, just because there's no other way. Totally. So we'll say things like some folks might yeah. eat, feel like, or, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. The other day I met a bear. Um, yeah. Great big bear. <laughs> awesome. All right. So I, I, I our, our time is almost up. Uh, I have a feeling we could probably do one of these for a couple hours because uh, we've got so much in common and have been through some of the same battles every single day. So mm. for any, for our viewers, listeners, watchers at home, um, who are listening, want to learn more about Full Stack, where is the best place for us to send them? Uh, fullstackmarketer.com. Our homepage is probably one of our best. So uh, it's F- it's Full Stack with a Q. So F-U-L-L-S-T-A-Q, marketer.com. Awesome. Uh, it's been Seth Green here with Kayala Kanai of fullstackmarketer.com. Stack with a Q. Kayala, thank you so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Seth, man. Appreciate it, man. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.